Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Last week we saw that God doesn't simply call us to love one another, but to love one another as he has loved us. And the Lord wants to take us the next step beyond that because there's a principle here that is to be at work in our lives as it was in the life of Jesus himself and of the first disciples. In John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus says this, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. We know how Jesus had to live in dependence upon the Father during the days of his humanity. The Father showed him what to do, gave him the words to speak. And uh, there was a learning process that had to go on in Jesus. Everything he learned from the Father, everything he heard from the Father was not for himself. It was so that he could then impart what he learned, what he heard, what he received from the Father to others, essentially, first and foremost, to the disciples. And so there's a principle that needs to be at work in our lives that everything that God does for you is not for you but so that you can make those things known to others. So whatever he does in you, you are then to do to others. Whatever he does for you, you are to do for others. This is the principle that you often hear me speak about, that God calls us to live not for ourselves, but for others. The way we live for others is by giving to others whatever God gives to us, doing for others whatever God does for us, expressing the life he gives to us for the benefit of other people. If we stay with the analogy of the vine, because it's within that context that Jesus says this scripture that we've just read. The branches of the vine, of course, live for the glory of the Father, whose vine it is, but also for the welfare of the other branches. Paul says, when he's talking about the nature of the church, you belong to one another. So, Whatever God does for us, we are to do for others. For for example, uh, an obvious example, is God is merciful to us, 
so we are to be merciful to others. Uh, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. So the reason why he is merciful to you is so that you can become a merciful person. And of course, Jesus taught the parable of the unmerciful servant to show how dangerous it is not to live by that principle. In that parable, the master showed great mercy for the one who owed him a great debt. But then he refused to forgive the paltry debt of his fellow servant. As a result, he was thrown in, out to the place of wailing and grinding of teeth, whatever that means. But Jesus entered the parable and said, this is how the heavenly father will treat you if you do not forgive others from the heart. In other words, we reap what we sow. If we sow mercy, we will reap mercy. And there's this sort of continuous process that God is merciful to us, we are merciful to others, and when we're merciful to others, God continues to be merciful to us. And that kind of flow always needs to be maintained and never broken. It reflects, you see, the nature of the one in whom we live, that Jesus is merciful because God is merciful, therefore all the branches of the vine are called to be merciful. And so we go on, that just as we are to love others as he has loved us, so we are to be merciful to others as he is merciful to us. And you apply that principle to every way in which the Lord blesses us, uh, conveys his love, his life, his power into our lives. So in this way, we are actually living out the life of Christ in the world. We are being like him. So because he is merciful, we are like him when we are merciful. But of course, by the same token, we are not like him if we refuse to forgive or if we take offense when people hurt us or uh, things happen in a negative uh, way. That is not like Jesus because Jesus did not take offense even when they nailed him to the cross. It was important for Jesus to forgive those who actually were driving the nails into his hands and feet because God had called him, the Father had called him to be merciful. He was displaying that mercy even when he was being nailed to the cross. He did not take offense. Uh, he did not portray any negative reaction to what was happening. This is the nature of God. And of course, he has given us his nature, that new nature that we have in Christ Jesus. So we can rejoice in the Holy Spirit enabling us to be like Jesus. But now we have to remember all the time that 
we have everything in Jesus. That God has not withheld anything from us. Now, let me explain what I mean. We know that Paul says when he's writing to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, that Jesus is our wisdom from God, that he is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. So we know that there's no point in trying to construct a righteousness of our own because self-righteousness is as the sin of witchcraft. Uh, it's filthy rags in the sight of God. So we don't want to ever have the attitude of self-righteousness, but to acknowledge all the time, Jesus is my righteousness. So if I'm going to be like him, then it's his righteousness that is going to be reflected in my life, not any righteousness of my own. We know that we do not have any holiness of our own. That what it is that God has accomplished through the cross and through the gift of the Holy Spirit is that Jesus has become for us our holiness. So as we live in him, we live in his holiness. He imparts that holiness to us so that just as his righteous activity and attitudes and so on can be reflected in our lives towards others so we can treat others in holiness. So the scripture says that the love with which we are to love one another is a holy love. It's a pure love. It's not like the love of the world, which always has an element of self-interest. That if you lay down your life for others, you are not looking for reward, but the person that you are loving is more important to you than yourself because you recognize the call of God to live for that person, to make some kind of sacrifice in whatever way is necessary to express the love of God to that person, regardless of what it costs you. His redemption, I explained to you the other day, is not just that we are made acceptable to God, um, but his redemption means the completion of his will in our lives, that the full redemption of our lives will be made manifest on the day of judgment. So... Uh, that completion of the will of God is dependent upon Jesus as our Redeemer. It doesn't depend upon what we try to do in our own strength. So we have, Paul says, the fullness of life in Christ Jesus. We have that. We have his righteousness. We have his holiness. We have his redemption. We have his ability to fulfill the plan and purpose of God in our lives. Now, when Paul is writing to the Romans, he explains to them 
that they have died in Christ. They have died together with Christ. You see, if we're going to be like him, what this means is that there has to be complete identification with him. That Jesus became man and completely identified with us so that now we can be completely identified with him. So we were identified with him in the cross. Now we know that we were crucified with Christ. But you see what Paul says to Romans in chapter 6 is we died to sin. Not we need to die to sin, but we died to sin. Why? Because on the cross, Jesus died to sin. Uh, The scripture says, there's this strange phrase, that he became sin for us. Not that he became a sinner, not that he committed sin, but he became sin for us. Why? Because what he was going to do on the cross was to die to sin. So he didn't only die for sinners, but he died to sin. Now, because you were in him, you died to sin. You see, whatever he did, he did for you. Whatever the Father led him to do was not for him, but for others. So when he died to sin, you died to sin. Now, the reason why sin persists in the lives of Christians is because they don't believe that. If you don't believe that, you don't live in the full good of it. There is always the temptation to sin. And as you know, Jesus says in, the, in your flesh, in your self-life, there's nothing good. Why? Because the flesh life is intrinsically sinful. Why is that? Because the self-life is intrinsically proud and selfish. So every time you choose to walk in the flesh rather than the spirit, you are actually exhibiting pride. Now, pride exalts you above others. It doesn't make you a servant of others. You can't pass pride on to others because your pride has a negative effect upon others. Whereas everything that proceeds from Christ into our lives that we pass on to others has a positive effect. So the flesh is intrinsically proud and it's selfish. Every time you choose to sin, you have actually demonstrated pride. You have exalted yourself above God and above the word of God. You are in effect saying, what I want to do is more important than what God says. That's pride. You've exalted self above the will and the purpose of God. So that is true even of what we might regard as minor sins. Nothing extravagant, nothing you know, too tremendous as it seems to us, but even the smallest of sins is the exalting of self, is, is, a, is a demonstration of pride, is choosing self above him. So all sin negates, it, it acts against 
this call of God for us to be like Jesus. But you see, God doesn't call us to fight against sin. Because the more you fight against sin, the more you stir up the flesh. What he calls us to do is to understand that we have died to sin. So Paul says to the Romans, you have died to sin, how can you live in it any longer? Because if something is dead, it doesn't have any more claim upon you. So what he is, what he is saying to the Romans is if you recognize that you've died to sin, sin will no longer have any claim upon you. Hello? Hello? Anybody in this morning? So that means that God has already, in what Jesus Christ has done, given us the victory over all sin. That means we never need to sin. We can choose to sin, but we never need to sin. We're never any, under any compulsion to sin. Uh, we, we never have to uh, go against the will and the purpose of God. Not only is this a statement of faith that we have died to sin, but of course he's given us the Holy Spirit to enable us then to walk in righteousness. And you see... You, you hear me say constantly, God tells us again and again not to focus on self, not to keep examining yourself, not to keep looking at yourself, because you never make any progress that way. The only way you make progress is to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, to keep your mind fixed on Jesus like the word of God says, and therefore to live in the good of what he has done. You see, it's no point in keep getting on your face and and pouring out the same sins to God again and again and again, when his word is, you have died to sin. You do not have to live in it any longer. Don't keep bewailing yourself and looking at yourself and saying what a miserable failure you are. Begin to live by faith in what I have accomplished for you on the cross. Is anybody in? Oh, good, something is stirring. Hallelujah. So, we are living in the good of everything that Jesus has accomplished. So, he is our victory. In Jesus, there is no defeat. If we are abiding in him, there is no defeat. There can be no defeat. There are two things that Jesus doesn't know how to do. One is to fail and the other is to be defeated. He, he doesn't know how to do either of those two things. So in him, we don't have to fail and we don't have to be defeated because we can live in the victory that he has won for us. So you see, the scripture says that he is not only our savior, but he is our salvation. He is actually the whole process of salvation. He is the, he is the saved life. So <clears throat> if we are living in him, we are living in the saved life. Now, that is to say we're living in his healing. You see, Christians have got used to this idea that if we, if we are sick or have some healing need, 
what we need to do is to pray and ask God for him to heal us. Now, the implication of that is that unless he does something in me now, I am outside of his healing grace. But if I pray with faith, then I can come into his healing grace. But you see, that does not bear out our life in Christ. Just as he is my salvation, he is my healing. So if I am abiding in Christ, I am abiding in his healing. If I'm living in Christ, I'm living in his healing, and his healing is living in me. So I still need to receive healing if I'm sick or if I have some kind of infirmity. But it's not that I'm outside of his healing grace. I'm right in his healing grace. In other words, what I'm doing is downloading that which is already mine in Christ. So it's never a question of whether God wants to heal me or he doesn't want to heal me. Of course he wants to heal me because I'm actually living in his healing. I'm living in the healer. And you can't separate the activity of God from the nature of God. He is the savior, so he's our salvation. He's the healer, so he's our healing. He is righteous, so he's our righteousness. He is holy, so he's our holiness. He is love, so he is our love. <coughs> so our, when we encourage others in faith, <coughs> excuse me, we encourage them to understand the inheritance that they have in Christ Jesus. So everything is in Christ. Everything. Whatever he is becomes ours. Whatever he does becomes ours. Whatever he promises becomes ours. Without exception. Because he is the yes and the amen to all the promises of God. So we can rejoice and we can be glad because of his great and wonderful love that enables us to be like him. You see, you can, you can never, ever try to be like Jesus by trying to imitate him. It's absolutely impossible. <clears throat> but everything that is ours and everything that we need is in Christ Jesus. So, Paul says this to the Romans. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, there are a number of statements just in that one verse. Count yourselves dead to sin, alive to God, 
in Christ Jesus. See, what's the key phrase there? Is it being dead to sin or alive to God or in Christ Jesus? See, the answer to that is the key phrase is in Christ Jesus. We are dead to sin because we're in Christ Jesus. We're alive to God because we're in Christ Jesus. So this revelation, that command that uh, Jesus gave the disciples at the Last Supper, abide in me, live in me, continue to live in me, rest in me, remain in me, is the key to everything in our Christian lives. Because everything is in Christ. And you see, his promise is that if you continue to live in me, I will continue to live in you. Now, what does he mean by that? Does he mean that we only have his presence within us when we're living in him? No, I don't think he means that. What he means is every time we live in him, we, we continue to live in him by faith in him, we're living in the revelation of who he is, of all he's done for us and all he's given us. Every time by faith we live in that way, we experience his life in us. So, you know, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Same principle, you see. If, if you are living in the good of all that I have done for you, all that I have given you, all that I am, then I will do whatever you ask in prayer. The condition in both these statements is if you live in me if you continue to live in me, if you continue to live in the revelation of the truth, then I will continue to express my life in you. Not for you, but for others. As we saw last week, Christ died when he went, when he went to the cross. He sacrificed his life to the Father but for others. So when we went to the cross with him, we were crucified with him to the Father for others. It's the same principle. And this is what it really means to be like Jesus. To, <clears throat> to be like Jesus is not trying to imitate his character, but understanding that that is totally impossible that all that can happen is for the Holy Spirit to be able to express the character of Jesus in us. But not only the character of Jesus, the activity of Jesus, the authority of Jesus. As, as I was speaking last week, everything that Jesus is, the anointing of Jesus, because he is the Christ, the anointed one, his anointing can be reflected in our anointing as we live and abide and rest in him. That is a matter of faith. That has to be the substance of our faith. Anybody who is going to aspire to fulfill God's word, to be like Jesus, has simply got to abide in him.
See, God has not made this impossible. In fact, the very thing that he's saying to the disciples at the Last Supper is God has made it possible for you to be like Jesus. All you have to do is to live in him. All you have to do is to rest in him. All you have to do is to trust in him. And then he will express his life, his love, his power, his healing, his salvation, whatever, whatever. Whatever he is, he will express in your life. This is the good news. It's not good news to say, I've got to try to follow the example of Jesus. All I can do is what Jesus did. You see, consider, consider the ministry of Jesus when he was on earth. How did he function? Did he try to be like his father? Not at all. What did he do? He simply lived at one with the Father and then the Father could express his life through the Son. His faith was in the Father. So he trusted in the Father to show him what to do, to give him the words to speak. He simply lived in humble submission to the Father. That's why it says in Philippians chapter 2 that he counted himself nothing and humbled himself and took the form of a servant. He humbled himself before the Father so that he could live for the good of others, to serve others. And because we were taken to the cross with him, then the same principle applies to us. We have died our lives have been consecrated, offered, surrendered, sacrificed to the Father for others. So it isn't that we have got to try to do stuff, but the life of faith is living in the good of what he has done. So if I'm going to be like Jesus, then I'm going to have to learn to function in the same way that he did. That he, he lived in complete dependence upon the Father, so I can only be like him if I live in complete dependence upon God. And don't try to serve him in my own strength, because I can't. Now, all this sounds great, but it sounds very idealistic. Uh, and that is because it is. But God is not going to compromise his idealism uh, for us because he is perfect. His word is be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Be complete, that means. 
And God has given us the completion of his life, the complete life of Christ to enable that. But even as we listen to teaching like this, we become aware of our own inadequacy. Not just of particular sin, but even of the fact that there still remains in us a desire to sin. In the sense that there are ways in which we still desire to please ourselves. That there is still that pride, there's still that self-concern, there's, there's still that focus in our thinking upon selves, which is a contradiction to everything that we've just said about what it means to be like Christ. Now, of course, Jesus was aware of this, which is why he said that if anyone is going to follow after him, he will have to deny himself. So if I'm going to abide in Christ, I will have to deny myself. But you see, the trick is this. If I focus on denying myself, I stop abiding in Christ. I stop resting in him. Why? Because I'm focused on self and not on him. I can only rest in him if my focus is on him. Can you see that? But if I put my focus on Jesus, fix my eyes on Jesus, if I continue to live in him, if this is my focus, if this is my desire, if this is the decision that I make, then in fact I will end up by denying myself. Because my focus is on him, I would do what he wants rather than what on I want. If I take my focus off of him, then inevitably I will begin to work for what I want. And what I want is a contradiction to what he wants. So it isn't that I've got to analyze myself and see all the ways in which I have desires that are not like the desires of Christ. If I focus on those, I will actually want to I will actually want to fulfill those desires. That's the very nature of the flesh. If you focus on the flesh, the flesh will make demands to be satisfied. So if I have died to the flesh, then I've made, died to sin, therefore, I've made this decision, okay, I'm not going to focus on myself and my failure and my weakness, because the grace of God is so amazing that his power is made perfect in my weakness. So I don't have to consider my weakness, I don't have to, to keep berating myself, I simply need to keep my focus on Jesus. And then he will enable me to live in his victory over the self-life, in this victory over the flesh life, that I will, in effect, be living as one who has died to sin. But I can only do that if, if 
First of all, I have a revelation that this is being made possible by what Jesus has done on the cross and that I make the choice that I want to die to sin. I don't want to sin. I don't want to grieve the Lord. I don't want to, to walk in ways that are going to be counterproductive to his call upon my life. I've got to make that decision. But if I do that, the only way in which that can be worked out is by keeping my focus on him and not on myself. So there's a false kind of spirituality, which I was talking to you about a few days ago. That false kind of spirituality, you see, is thinking that if I can discover something more about myself about which I need to repent, then I will be holier. No, you won't. Because repentance doesn't make you holy. Repentance cancels out sin, but it doesn't make you holy. See, the only way in which you can walk in holiness is by your focus being on Jesus. And the more we keep our focus on him, the more his life, his will, his plan, his purpose will be outworked in us. I wish I could say to you, it's as simple as that. It is as simple as that, but it's not as simple as that. Because... All the time, there is the enemy who is wanting to stir up your flesh and to encourage you to get your eyes on yourself and on your weakness and on your failure and on the ways in which you would like to please self. And you have to keep affirming, I have died to sin. I do not need to live in it any longer. That is the word of God and I take that word for myself. My flesh will always want to sin. I know my flesh very well, I'm sure you do, and I know the ways in which my flesh would like to sin. But I know that if I yield to those temptations of the flesh, I'm undermining my life in Christ. That I'm creating problems for myself that I do not need to have. You see, every time you indulge your flesh, you then have to get over it. Hello? See, what happens in the life of so many believers is they indulge their flesh in some particular way that appeals to them, whatever it may be. It can be a whole variety of things. But then they find that thing becomes such a bondage in their lives, it's difficult to break it. It's difficult to get away from it. It seems that they're constantly having to fight that particular thing. And it's because they've allowed that process to happen, but also because they're not actually living in the revelation of the truth. That in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, they died to sin. In Christ Jesus, they can reckon themselves, they can count themselves dead to sin, but alive to God. In Christ Jesus, they are alive to God. Hallelujah. Revival is simply people living like this. That's all it is. Revival is not some mystical thing that suddenly happens. Revival is the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon people in such a way that they live the gospel.
They live as those who are in Christ. And the result is the fruitfulness of many saved lives, of many healed lives, of many miracles happening. But that's not the revival. That's the fruit of revival. That's the fruit of what God has done in the people that he's revived. So all this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we want breakthrough and break out. What do we want to break out? Well, we want the life of Christ to break out. So the life of Christ will never break out if Christians' focus is on themselves. You put your focus on yourself, the only thing that can break out is yourself. And with all due respect, that is not going to change the world. It's not going to be a blessing to anybody. But when Christ breaks out of our lives, or the more Christ breaks out of our lives, the greater we are, the greater blessing we are to other people. So that's what we want. So we are going through this process now where God is refining us. Uh, Simon was talking about nine carat carat gold and 18 carat gold. What he failed to say is that God's purpose for us is to be 24 carat gold, not even to be satisfied with 18 carats. 24 carat gold is pure gold. I once went to a gold mine in South, in South Africa, which of course is where lots of gold mines are, and, and actually saw this whole process taking place. What, what actually happens is when, when gold is mined, it's, it's, it, it, it's boiled up, it's heated up, and there's lots of impurity in it when it's taken out of the ground. So that is skimmed off, and you've got nine carat gold. How do you get it from nine carat to 18 carat? It's heated up again. And more impurity comes to the surface. And that's skimmed off. So the gold is then purer. How does it get to 24 karat gold? Well, that process is repeated again. I don't know how many times. But it's repeated a number of times until all the impurity has been skimmed off. So that's what God is aiming for in our lives because that is what he has made possible. Jesus lived the 24 karat gold life if we want to put it like that. And so we are in him. We are in his life. Amen? And yes, God does this process of refining the father prunes the branches so that they may be more fruitful still. But we are living in the one who has 24 carat life, right? And the one who lives in us is 24 carat. Now, what, ex what is seen in us in experience could be as low as nine, could be 18, could be somewhere in between. But that doesn't alter the fact that what we have within us is the pure life of Jesus Christ. And the one in whom we live is the one who is pure gold. 
It was a great illustration for Simon to use on, on, on Sunday. And you can't say everything in one message. So, <clears throat> but it was a good message for people to hear. But you see, what we all need to understand is I am living today in the completed work of Jesus Christ, that there is nothing left for him to do. And if I understand that, then you see, I understand that I'm living in his completed healing, for example. I'm not outside of his healing saying, oh God, come and heal me. No, I'm living in his healing. I've, I've been in some uh, need of healing in these last few weeks because I've, I've actually been in quite a lot of pain these last few weeks. Uh, and and you know, there's a, there's a sense in which when you're in that kind of situation, you, you, you instinctively pray, Lord, come and heal me. And then you, uh, you know, I have to remember, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not going to work. What I need is to re just remember I'm in, I'm abiding in the healing power of Jesus. And that is what is enabling the overcoming and the healing that I know is taking place in my life now. So we have to work this out, and we have to learn how to work it out. It's all a learning process, beloved, isn't it? Uh, and sometimes we don't do it in the right way, uh, and we don't need to feel condemned about that. We need to say, oh, well, thank you, Lord, you're teaching me. Uh, and the more, the more I learn from you, the more I will get it right. And so we come back, you see, to that scripture that we started with which is always a good thing for a preacher to say because that means he's usually going to stop speaking in a moment. I have called you friends for everything, everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Everything. Everything. So he then says a little later, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will take what is mine and make it known to you. And I've explained to you before, what that means is that everything that the Father has, the Son has. And everything the Son has the Holy Spirit makes known to you. So, his purpose is for you to live in the constant revelation, the increasing revelation, the increasing understanding of all that he's done for you, of all that he's given you in Christ Jesus, so that you will become more like him. Not because you're trying to imitate him, but because he is working his life out in you. The only thing that you have to remember as far as imitating him is concerned is to remember that everything that he communicates to you and everything that he does in you is for the benefit of others. That you have died to God, to, sacrificed to the Father, for the benefit of others. So we are only like Christ 
when everything that he does in us, we give away to others. We share with others. We would not be like Christ if we simply received stuff from the Lord that we kept for ourselves. But whatever he does in us, he does to others. That has to be the principle of my life, that I have to allow God to do stuff in me so that then he can do stuff in others. If I don't allow him to do stuff in me, then I'm, my ministry is not going to be effective uh, towards other people. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's dependent upon me, but I can either enable God to work through me or I can get in the way of God and restrict the way he can work through me. Can you understand? But this principle is true for all of us. If my heart and life is surrendered to him, if I'm walking in his ways, if I'm depending upon him, then I'm going to be a blessing to others. If I'm motivated by doing stuff for myself and simply wanting God to bless me for myself, that might seem all right for me, but it's not going to benefit others very much. Are we, are we getting it? So the more you give it away, the more you receive, which is why Jesus said, the measure you give is the measure you get back. So long as you're allowing his life to flow through you and out of you, breakout is happening. See? And when breakout, when that process of breakout is happening, God will pour more and more, more and more, more and more to you, more and more in you, more and more through you, and people will be more and more blessed. Come on, let's stand. And Praise God. Isn't it good to know that you've died to sin? You know those 16 people that were baptized on Sunday? What their baptism signified is that they died to sin. Now they might not all have realized that, especially the younger ones. We had some wonderful testimonies of how their lives have been transformed. But it's always a continual process of revelation in the lives of every Christian to understand what God accomplished for us, even at the beginning. I say, you know, I say to people, it takes the whole of your lifetime to understand what God did in the first second that you were saved. That what he actually imparted to you the first day you were saved, it takes you the rest of your life to understand that and to see the outworking of that. So let's lift our hands and our hearts to the Lord now and praise him. Just thank him that you're in Christ Jesus by God's gracious act. You live in him. Hallelujah. When you were baptized, you may not have realized that at that moment you died to sin. But you have the revelation now so you can thank God that when you died on the cross with Christ, he died to sin, you died to sin. Your baptism signified that you died to sin. Hallelujah. And you've been raised to a new life. You are alive with Christ, dead to sin, alive in Christ. 
praise you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. We praise your holy name. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. You see, the, the scripture doesn't say examine yourself and berate yourself for all the sin. It says offer yourself. Offer yourself to God. Come on. Offer every day, every day, offer yourself afresh to God. Every day is a day of surrender to God. Every day, Lord, I offer my life to you as sacrifice, my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, which is, your, which is my spiritual worship. Hallelujah. I offer the parts of my body, Lord, for righteousness, not for sin. Hallelujah. I want to use my eyes. I want to use my eyes to be fixed on Jesus because you say that the eyes are the light of the body. So I don't want my eyes to be fixed on darkness. I don't want my eyes to be fixed on what is sinful because that will fill my body with darkness. I want to be filled with light. Thank you, Lord, you've called me to be a child of light, to live in the light, to walk in the light. So the light of God will shine out of my life, that people will see that light. They will see the good works of that light and give glory to the Father in heaven. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. I bless your holy name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. We don't have to dwell upon that. We can just thank you so much that every day of your life we have the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all the sin, from all the imperfections, from all the failure, makes us totally righteous, acceptable in your sight, enables us to be clothed with Christ, that today we're clothed with Christ, today we live in his righteousness, today we live in his holiness, today we live in his redeeming love, today we live in his salvation, today we live in his healing, today we live in his enabling grace, Today we live in his mercy. Hallelujah. Today we can be as he is in the world. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That is your call for us to be as he is in the world. And we can be as we can be as we rest in you, as we remain in you, as we live continually in you, as we abide in you, and you will abide in us, and you will enable us to be as you are in the world. And we praise you. Praise you that Jesus is going to break out of our lives more and more and more and we praise you Lord we bless you we bless you thank you Lord that is true for us personally it's true for us corporately as your body in this place that the life of Christ is going to break out of the church here more and more and more praise your holy name bless your holy name thank you Lord thank you Lord we don't have to strive we don't have to strain we don't have to struggle we just have to rest in you we have to believe in you. We have to trust in all that you have done for us, in all that you have made available to us. 
and we bless your holy name. We thank your holy name. Papapara Sandaria Ledo Papapara Sandaria Ledo Bastakalaria Ledo Papapara Sandaria Leto Papapara Sandama Bastakalaria Leto Papapara Sandaria Leto Papapara Sindama Bastakalaria Leto Papapara Sandaria Leto Papapakala Sindama O Papapara Sandaria Leto Papapara Sandaria Leto Papapakala Sindama Hallelujah Let's just think for a moment of this gold that's being refined in the fire. You know, the more it's refined, the more it changes color. 24 karat gold is very, very yellow. Nine karat gold is only much paler in, in color. So the color of your life is changing. It's got nothing to do with race, hallelujah. Got nothing to do with race. This is, this is a spiritual reality. Right? You're becoming more and more like the 24 karat gold of Jesus. Whether you're at the 9, the 18, or somewhere in between, or between 18 and 24, wherever you are at this moment, God is changing your appearance. That's the point. He's changing your appearance. <clears throat> the more like Christ we become, the more of Christ people will see in us. The more of Christ people see in us, the more they will receive of Christ through us. So come and give him glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Papapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria. Just keep offering yourself to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Papapara sandaria leto papakala sandama. More you offer yourself to Him, the more like Him you will become. Praise you, Jesus. Sarabatoria leto papapara sandama. Bastakalaria leto papapara sandaria leto papapara sandama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Pura taparia leto papapara sandaria leto papapara sandama. Basta kalaria leto papapakala sidri sandama. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Pura taparia leto papapara sandaria leto papapara sandama. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank, thank the Lord that you're not separated from his love. Nothing can separate you from his love. So nothing can separate you from his healing, from his saving grace, from his mercy, from his power, from his authority. Nothing can separate you from anything that he is. So praise him for that. Hallelujah. Thank him that you're living in his healing. His healing is living in you. Oh, you don't sound very thankful. I'm, I'm thankful. Let me tell you, I am so thankful for that. I don't have to wonder whether God wants to heal me or not. I'm living in his healing and his healing is living in me. And I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise. I bless your holy name. Papapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria lenama. Oh, papapara sandaria lenama sundama. Papapara sandaria leto papakalasinama. 
You know, I said to the Lord the other day, Lord, this, this pain, I'd like to be delivered from this pain completely, you know that. Uh, and he said, well, you're becoming more like Jesus who learned obedience through what he suffered. So just understand that you can learn more about obedience in your life at this time. Hallelujah. In all things, God is working for good. You know, nothing happens, nothing happens by mistake in our lives. God is overseeing everything. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I want to be more obedient, don't you? I want to be more obedient. Hallelujah. God doesn't want me to be sick. He doesn't want me to be in pain. He wants me to be more obedient. So I praise him and I bless him. He always knows what is best. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But the pain is going because that means I must be getting more obedient somehow or other. So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. I'm living in your obedience, Lord. That you are the completely obedient one. And I praise you and I bless you and I thank you and I exalt you. Glorify your holy name. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the great blessing of being a believer. I'm so, so thankful that you've made me a believer and that I can inherit everything together with Christ. Praise your holy name. Can, are you thankful? You don't sound very thankful. Come on, can you sound thankful? Can you really be thankful? Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord, that you are a refining fire. Thank you, the goal of our lives is being refined, more of the dross, more of the muck and the uh, and stuff is getting removed from our lives by your mercy and grace. And we thank you for that, Lord. We praise you. Now, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning that whatever you do for us, we're to do for others. Now, Lord, we want to see the outworking of that. We don't want what you do for us to get stuck with us. But we want to fulfill your word, Lord, that whatever you do for us, we do for others. So we want to be a merciful people. We want to be a people of love. We want to be a people of grace. We want to be a people of generosity. We want to be a people of faithfulness. We want to be a people, Lord, that all the time are wanting to express to others what you have done for us, to us, and in us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or imagine according to that power that is at work within us. 
What a great God you are. What a mighty God you are. What a wonderful God you are. Papapara sandaria leto, papapara sandaria leto, papapakala Papapara sandaria leto, Thank you, Lord, we're changing color. By your mercy and grace, we're changing color. We are becoming more like you. That refining is taking place in our lives. Thank you, Lord. More muck, more rubbish is getting stripped out of our lives. Praise your holy name. And more and more of the likeness of Christ is being seen in us. We believe that, Lord. It's all the work of your mercy and grace in us. And we give you all the glory for it. Hallelujah. Sandaria leto papapara sandaria masina. Oh papapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria lenoma. Oh papapara sandaria leto papapara sandaria lenoma. Basta galaria leto papapakala sidri sandaria. Papapara sandaria leto papapakala sidri sandaria. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sidri sandaria. O papapapapakara sandaria leto papakala sinama. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. See, it's all about offering yourself to God, not just berating yourself, offering yourself to God. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves to God and the benefit you, lead, sorry, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Hallelujah. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's all in Christ, and we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And we praise your wonderful and holy name. Come on, let's have a great burst of praise. We thank the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Forget not all his benefits who forgives all my sins, heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from the pit, crowns me with love and compassion, satisfying the desires of my heart, renewing my youth like the eagles. That last part isn't relevant for some of you, but it is for me. Renewing my youth like the eagles. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. 
Praise you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Amen. Amen. So all you've got to do today is abide in Jesus, then you will walk as Jesus did. So simple, isn't it? To say. Hallelujah. Have a wonderful, wonderful day because you have a wonderful, wonderful Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.